This is the Employment Law Show. All righty, 633 Wednesday evening edition of the Employment Law Show. Welcome to it. John Scholes here and Lior Samfiru joining as well. Employmentlawyer.ca, help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out by email and to uh, get a hold of Lior and his team. 1-855-821-5900 and the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And our main topic is going to be taking a medical leave for mental health reasons. That's on the way shortly, but... Uh, Case of the day, pal. What's going on with you? John, employment law is what's going on with me. Nice. I'm that that uh, much of an exciting guy that I spend my time talking, working, understanding employment law. That's what I do. Uh, and glad to be here again to do the same thing, to answer our good listeners' questions about, about this very, very important topic, your workplace rights. You have a job. I have a job. We all need to know exactly what to do if we're facing problems, what to do if our boss makes demands of us, what the law says we're owed if we lose our job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And on this show, we try to give you the real truth, not to give you the misleading information that unfortunately you may find online if you go to uh, Google or, or uh, various other places. So if you were always wondered something about your workplace rights, that wondering uh, ends today. It ends when you call the show and we tell you exactly what you need to know. So if you're driving home, have a question about rights, let's talk about it. Or, of course, if you want to reach me in the office beyond just the 30 minutes of the show, very easy to do at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll give you all the contact information throughout the show. And on Wednesday, I also host a live stream in the afternoon that airs on YouTube, Facebook, etc., and the case of the day comes from a question that I was asked today on a live stream. Great. Uh, the question came from a gentleman who was told me eight years he had a seasonal job. So he was uh, always working uh, up until November uh, or so, and then he'd be off for the winter and be back uh, at work probably right around March or April, and again, work till November. He's been doing that for uh, for eight years. Well, he suspects and he believes that this year uh, he's not going to be called back to work because uh, he's, he was hearing through colleagues in the grapevine that he, there's just not going to be a job for him. So his question for me was very simple. He works a seasonal job. If he doesn't get called back, what does this mean? Has he owed anything? So I can almost guarantee you, John, that this employer, when he lets this person know that they're not going to be called back to work, they're not going to offer anything by way of compensation or severance, nothing at all. But guess what? They owe him severance. If he now has been doing this for eight years, he's expected, this becomes a regular job. He's now expecting to be back in March. He's not worried. He shouldn't be worried about it. He has an eight-year history. So what happens if his employer says, no, no, we're going to change that. We're not going to call you back. We're going to end this relationship. Yes, he is owed severance. It's not Back. It's just now the terms of his employment. He works from March to November. That's the way it is. So, of course, he's going to be owed severance after eight years. He's probably going to be looking at nine or ten months of severance that's going to be owed to him. And he knows what to do. He knows to give me a call as soon as he finds out for sure that he's not being called back to work. But, of course, there's a very important reminder there. There's a lot of people that have seasonal jobs. And if at some point your employer, your company says, that's it, we're done, you're not coming back anymore this year, you're going to be owed severance, you're going to be owed compensation, the law is going to treat you the same as every other employee, 
And that severance, depending on how long you've worked there, can absolutely be as much as two years' pay. So if any of this sounds like your situation, you know what to do. You call me. Is there something that, even though it's a seasonal gig, is there something that um, that employer could have done uh, way earlier to mitigate his losses when it comes to having to pay full severance in this situation? Yeah, it could have entered into an employment agreement that simply says, you know, you're working every year from this date till this date. And if we ever want to terminate you, here's where we're going to pay you. They could have, by way of a contract, limited the amount of severance that they would have had to pay. They couldn't have uh, eliminated it. They couldn't have completely got rid of it, but they certainly could have reduced that amount. Uh, So that would have been for the employer much better than to simply say every year, no contract, you just come back to work, you come back to work. So for that employer, that's what they should have done. They didn't do that. So now they have to pay this person their full severance, again, nine, even 10 months of pay. uh, And you better believe I'm going to make sure he gets it. Let's get into our one short break of the evening, and we'll get into our topic of taking a medical leave for mental health reasons. That's on the way as we continue the Wednesday edition Employment Law Show. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. You bet. Welcome back, indeed. And you got lots of time to uh, call through and join us here on the show. Love to get you with us. And uh, failing that, you can always reach out to Leo afterwards, as he mentioned just before the break, that one 855 821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Rob, you're, uh, you're first in, pal. How are you? Good evening. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Excellent. What's on your mind? Yeah, so I just had a quick question. So more recently, there was a reorg in my, uh, in my company, and my employer changed my title, uh, department, uh, roles, and responsibilities. Uh, I was just curious if that is kind of uh, potentially constructive dismissal and if I would have the ability to collect severance. Uh, excellent question, Rob. Now, would you consider this uh, change or these changes to be a demotion? Um, well, I like uh, not necessarily, but uh, it's still kind of the, the roles and responsibilities are still not finalized. So it's like fluid. They haven't figured it out. It's like um, so I wouldn't really classify it as a demotion yet. Okay. So ultimately, it comes down to whether or not this is a a major change or a significant change. So it it, it really comes down to how this affects you and your, you know, how different this is from what you signed up for. uh, And, Mm -hmm. you know, are the roles, the responsibilities that much different is, can they also be seen as negative things that you wouldn't have necessarily have agreed to if that was offered to you right at the beginning. So those are the things that we're, we're looking for. So it's not necessarily every change in in uh, your role that leads to a constructive dismissal. We have to show that it's a significant one and really not what you signed up for. If ultimately, once those responsibilities are finalized and, and you feel that that's the case, this is not what I signed up for, wouldn't have signed up for this, then yeah, absolutely, that could be a constructive dismissal. And at that point, we can talk about pursuing that and, and getting you out of there with severance. Uh, and so I'm more than happy to have that specific discussion with you once you know exactly what that new role looks like. Fantastic. No, thank. this is very helpful. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rob. No Appreciate you uh, taking the time as well. And here's that number again. Uh, once you find out, give Lior a call, one 855 5900 or help at employmentlawyer.ca. Um, yeah, interesting call, really. I mean, it hasn't come down the pike yet what's going to change, but from his laundry list there, it sounds like it's going to be almost pretty much the whole job, really. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it 
in itself, a change in the job may or may not be a constructive dismissal. We you always want to understand how, how much of a change it is and how it impacts you. So if the change is that uh, we're changing your hours so that you work less hours now, than before. That may be a change, but that's a good change. So no one's going to say that's a constructive dismissal. So you, you kind of get what I'm saying. Ultimately, it's a question of, is this different significantly than the deal I signed up for? And in fact, if this was the deal all along, I probably would have said no. And if that's the case, this is a that would be a constructive dismissal. Now, if this was a flat out demotion, yeah, absolutely constructive yeah. dismissal. If there's a negative change in compensation, absolutely constructive dismissal. So there's a number of ways to get to that constructive dismissal point. And you still got time, like Rob, 416-870-6400 to reach us here live at the station. Okay, moving on down to taking a medical leave for mental health reasons. This uh, luckily has been more recognized by a lot of employers and insurance companies for that matter. But what issues do you see generally, uh, Lior, when it comes to mental health medical leaves? Because I know you get that door knocking all the time, right? You know, I can certainly tell you over the past, I guess, five years or so, even, even before the pandemic, I've been seeing more and more of issues coming up individuals having problems once they uh, they tell their employer they want to take a leave of absence and the employer realizes it's mental health issues. Oftentimes, it's a situation where the employer may know that the person doesn't have a physical ailment. Uh, they may be, you know, younger or healthy, uh, you know, physically fit, uh, and the employer understands it's not a physical ailment and they just don't believe the employee. So it's very easy to be disbelieved. It's very easy uh, for the employer to say, yeah, we're not buying it, so we're not going to agree to that, or we're going to insist on many other tests, and we'll talk about that. So I often see employees being doubted and the employer not willing to meet its obligations, which, of course, is illegal. The other thing I see often with mental health reasons, and you you touch on it briefly, is uh, with, with disability insurers. When they're more skeptical to approve disability benefits when it's something that you can't necessarily see on an x-ray. Uh, that is completely wrong as well. If you're not able to work and your doctor says that, doesn't matter the reason. Both your employer and your insurer should cooperate. But generally speaking, when it comes to mental health issues, even though they could be even more debilitating than physical injuries, uh, sometimes I see them met, being met with skepticism, yeah. and that's wrong. Yeah, they like to pull the old no objective evidence of your condition, which doesn't wash with anybody, but we'll talk about that on a later date. But um, we're talking about dealing with medical issues and those reasons. So, uh, you know, if someone feels that they need to be away from work for mental health reasons, uh, first couple steps, what do they need to do? So the most important thing is to speak to your doctor uh, and and just like you would go to your doctor if you have any other, if your back was hurting, if you're uh, uh suffering from uh, an injury, you'd speak to your doctor. If you feel that because of mental health reasons, your, your your job is getting more difficult or your ability to work is compromised, speak to your doctor. Ultimately, if your doctor feels or, or your doctor refers you to a, a specialist that feels that you cannot work, that's when you get that doctor's note to, to your employer telling your employer you cannot work for medical reasons that you need time off. Now, that doctor's note can have a timeline. It can say that you need a week, a month, six months, but it doesn't have to. It could be open-ended. It can say, for now, this employee cannot work, and we'll let you know once that changes. That's fine as well. That doctor's note does not have to say the medical reason, the diagnosis. It just needs to say that you're not able to work. But honestly, it's a 
Simple as getting that doctor's note. Once you have that doctor's note, you're now able legally to take the time off work in order to get better and get healthy. And Angela, thank you for standing by patiently. Good evening. How are you? Good evening. Great. How are you guys? Wonderful. Thank you for calling in. What's uh, what's going on with you? Okay, just a silly question, um, but I've, I'm listening every night. And I was just wondering, does severance only apply to full-time people, not Not a silly question at all. at all. Not silly at all. A lot of people Not wonder. silly. Very important question, and the answer is extremely straightforward, and that is it applies to all employees, whether you're full-time, part-time, senior role, junior role, whether you work two hours a week or 42 hours a week. Uh, if you had a job and you lost that job, you are owed severance. So absolutely, it applies to part-time staff. Uh, again, non-union, of course, because everything we talk yeah. about on the show generally applies to non-union. But yes, absolutely applies to part-time employees as well. Okay, so an interesting enough that my daughter was working for um, a nightclub downtown, and they decided that they are going to rebrand and renovate and open under another name. And they're going to make all of them reapply for a position. Is that a constructive dismissal? Well, yeah, it's actually a dismissal. It's not even a constructive dismissal because they're saying uh, you're out of a job unless you reapply and we hire you in this new position. So it's an actual dismissal. Uh, now, if she wants to work for that for that nightclub, she can reapply. And if they hire her back, fine. She continues working. I can tell you that her seniority is going to carry through. But if she doesn't really want to do that, yeah, they're going to absolutely owe her severance. And and she can get that and I can help her with that. So the, the thing that she has to decide is what does she prefer? Does she prefer to just move on with severance or does she want to continue working? Uh, but this is not even a constructive dismissal, just a flat out dismissal. So what if she reapplied and they didn't hire her? Can she still go for the dismissal? Absolutely. Or... Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. In fact, she'd have an even stronger case at that point for severance. Either way, she has a case for severance, but it would be even that much stronger if she does reapply and they say no thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Either way, if she is at the end of this process is out of a job, she is owed severance. It's as simple as that. Wow, fantastic. That's great. I was always wondering about part-time. I've never heard anyone call, so that's really good to know. Thank you so much. No Thank you, Angela. You just uh, you filled up a uh, an empty space for sure. Because again, a lot of people wonder these questions. And thank you for calling and uh, making everyone else aware as well. We talk about length of time quite often when it's being away for mental health reasons, and you know you get the old "Well, I'm out of sick days, Lee, or I can't take any more time off." Right? Yeah. So let's be very clear: the this number of sick days that you have has nothing to do with how long you can be off. And you know the thing about mental health being away. It's very difficult for your doctor to say you're going to need a week off, a month off, etc. You know, if you have a herniated disc, a doctor may be able to say, you know, this type of an injury usually takes two months or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. With mental health issues, it's a lot more difficult, my understanding is, to say, are you going to be okay in a week or are you going to need a year? Because it really is an individual thing. Well, the good news is that you can be off as long as your doctor says you need to be off. Uh, or or at least until your doctor says you're ready to come back to work. And maybe that's great. A, a week later, you're good. Or maybe it's going to be a year. Maybe it's going to even be longer than that. And that's okay. The number of sick days that your employer provides is irrelevant. The number of sick days only tells us how many, how many days off the company is going to pay you for. 
doesn't tell us anything about how long you can be off because you can be off as long as you need to. You can apply for uh, disability benefits through an insurance plan that work if you have that. You can apply for EI sickness benefits. In some situations, you can even apply for uh, disability benefits under the Canada Pension Plan. So there's various options there. But the bottom line is you can be off as long as you need to so long as you have your doctor's support. So whether it's uh, two weeks or two years, what happens to your job during that uh, during that medical leave? So what happens is very simple. You're still considered an employee of your, your your company. You're simply an employee on leave. And by the way, you continue to accrue seniority while you're on leave. And what that means is once you're ready to come back to work, whether it's a week, a year, whatever it is, you tell your employer. And at that point, the company needs to try to bring you back. They need to make all reasonable efforts to bring you back. Now, that does not necessarily mean firing someone to make room for you, but it means taking a really good look at uh, their needs, the availability, either in your old job or a similar job. And if there's any possibility to bring you back, they have to do it. It's only in a situation where they've looked, they've tried, they've uh, been creative. And despite all that, there's just nothing there, nothing at all available to you. Then and only then can they let you go with your full severance, of course. Uh, But too often, John, I see an employee saying to their employer, good news, I'm ready to come back to work, only for the employer to say, yeah, no, thanks, we're not going to have you back. No, no, no. Doesn't work that way. Not on until the company has shown that they made efforts to to uh, find the right position for you. What happens in the case sometimes where an employer, you've been off for a while, and you know they may be getting you know, to the end of their rope, and they try to pull rank and say, well, we want you to go see another doctor, another specialist. And I, I, I literally had the same situ- that uh-huh. situation earlier today uh, when uh, a very, very nice lady was at her wit's end, because she has some some mental health issues and her employer is saying, yeah, no, no, we we think your doctor doesn't know what 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 he or she is talking about. So we're we've made arrangements for you to see another doctor and you don't have a say in this, they said. So you're you're absolutely expected to uh, to go to see that doctor. Uh, guess what? They cannot do that. Yeah. Your employer cannot demand or require that you see another doctor. Uh, they have to listen to your doctor. Now if they think what your doctor said is unclear or maybe there's contradictory information, they can ask questions. They can ask your doctor to clarify some things. They may say, listen, we have these modified duties for this employee. Can this employee do that? Uh, We understand that the employee can't do their old job, but can they do something else? They can ask those questions and you then, the employee, have to speak to your doctor by providing answers. But they cannot insist that you see another doctor They cannot tell you as they did in this situation, we're not buying what your doctor is saying. That's completely wrong. That could be a human rights violation. So anytime your employer says, no, no, see another doctor, we've arranged that for you, don't. Okay, they can't demand that and you shouldn't do it. As far as, uh, you know, reaching uh, as far as what they can ask, when it comes to medical information, how far can they go? And then what does an employee do if they feel that they're being unreasonable with what they're being asked? Yeah, and that happens often. And certainly when it comes to mental health issues, the, the privacy aspect of this becomes real. I mean, not too many employees are going to want to publicize to their employer that they're struggling with these mental health issues. And I yeah. get that. I, I, I wouldn't want to either. Well, the good news is your employer can't demand to know what your medical condition is at all. Your employer cannot demand that. Um, and if you provide a note saying you can't work for medical reasons, that's it. 
maybe there's a physical reason, maybe there is a, a mental health reasons, but none of that ultimately is the company's business. They can ask questions about your limitations. They can ask questions about timelines. When are you going to be able to go back to work? They can ask questions about what kind of accommodation you may be able to uh, be provided. But that's it. So anytime your company says, well, we want your employer to fill out this form saying, you know, what your condition is, how long you've had this condition, uh, what medication you're taking, the answer to that should always be absolutely no. I am not providing that to you. That's offside. That's not something you're entitled to, and I'm not going to give that to you. So if you're ever in that situation, you know what to do, or you call me. Let me ask you one last question before we go. How often, I mean, if it's a two-week leave, it's one thing, but if it's going to be extended, how often should you reach out to the employer and say, hey, still here, still trying to get better? You know, if you're going to be looking at a, a lengthy leave, I think it's a good idea once a month to send your employer a short note. You know, it can be a short email or text message saying, employer, just so you know, I'm still working on getting better. I'm still hoping to be back to work at some point. You want to remind them that you're still there and, and that at some point you're going to come back to work. You don't want them to essentially say, well, you haven't talked to us in, in a year or in two years, so we assumed you've moved on, so we've moved on as well. You want to avoid that completely. So once a month, a quick note, if there's an actual update, maybe maybe you know when there's going to be another assessment. You know, I'm going to be assessed again by my doctor in three weeks. Let them know. Keep them updated. Very good idea. It doesn't have to be anything extended. Yeah. but a short note once a month goes a very long way and that'll do it for tonight thank you so much for your phone calls and your interest keep sending them along as far as the emails are concerned on and off air of course help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out to Lior now and his team use the phone number anytime uh, 1-855-821-5900 will cost you nothing for a conversation that and the website your first stop is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca for everything else and we'll be back here tomorrow 6 30 with the thursday edition of the employment law show enjoy the rest of your evening